So let's be seated together, shall we, as we hear God's word to us. Maggie's going to come and read from uh, Matthew chapter 25 as we can continue our series in the parables. The parable of the ten virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so, Father, we pray that as we've um, heard your word read to us, we might now just receive something more from you as we reflect on it together. And so speak by your Holy Spirit, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wise or foolish? Wise or foolish, the Olympic athletes who spent the last few months lounging around at home during the day, partying with their friends by night, or the one who spent hours on the training ground, kept a strict diet, and prepared meticulously for the big race. Wise or foolish? Wise or foolish, the student who puts in the hours poring over their books for that important exam, taking notes, perhaps looking at past papers, or the one who's leaving it to chance and just hoping they'll get lucky with the question paper on the day. Wise or foolish, the farmer tilling the land, planting at the right time, investing in the right crops, and negotiating with a supply chain. Or the one who's putting their feet up, watching TV in the farmhouse, and just hoping for the best. Wisdom and folly are twin themes of Scripture. Throughout Scripture, in fact, they're uh, set against each other in a typically Jewish style. We see that most in evidence perhaps in uh, the book of Proverbs, as many of the Proverbs that are around the themes of wisdom and folly. But Jesus uses the language of wisdom and folly also in the parables. And perhaps that's no more evident than in this particular parable in Matthew 25, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Some are prepared for the arrival of a bridegroom, even if he's delayed, the others leave it to chance. And Jesus sets them up in contrast as he makes an important point 
about our readiness to receive him. But before we get to that, there are a few problems with this parable for our 21st century eyes. It's not one that's massively easy to relate to because the wedding description is very different from our experience of a wedding. So we start asking questions. Where is the bride, for instance? Why does the groom arrive in the middle of the night? (laughs) Where were they going to find fresh oil at that time of night anyway? There's There's other questions as well, but there's a massive cultural gap between our context and the wedding practices of today and those of first century Palestine. And so as with several of Jesus' parables, we have plenty of work to do to enter fully into that story. So let's at least touch on that before we think about what Jesus might be saying to us. I'm just going to read um, a couple sentences from a commentary on Matthew's Gospel from George Beasley Murray, a great uh, Baptist minister and theologian. And he describes uh, a typical wedding. Having amused oneself with dancing and other entertainments, one starting the wedding feast by not, sorry, having amused oneself with dancing and other entertainments, one starts the wedding feast by nightfall. By torchlight, songs and exaltation, the bride, attended by women, is later led from her parents' house to her new home, where she is entertained by her companions. Suddenly, usually around midnight, it is announced that the bridegroom comes. The women then leave the bride alone and go with torches to meet the bridegroom who approaches at the head of his friends. The time of the groom's arrival is unpredictable and usually delayed for a simple reason. He has to bargain with the bride's family about the dowry he pays for her. It's all a bit different from weddings in the UK, most weddings in the UK today. But what is Jesus' message underneath all this imagery of this wedding scene? There's clearly something about being prepared, but prepared for what and for whom? Well, this parable comes within a series of parables with themes of the second coming. One day, Jesus, the bridegroom, will return to meet his bride, the church, and his people, the church, must be ready to receive him. It's relatively easy, isn't it, to be prepared for something that's fixed in the diary. This week for me has been very much about preparation. On Tuesday afternoon, I drive down to Hazelmere in Surrey for four consecutive residential youth camps. Some of the uh, leaders on the team will be from Christchurch, Joe and others included. There'll be young people going from Christchurch and many other groups around the country as well. And this week, I've spent endless hours preparing. Emails, phone calls, wrestling with spreadsheets, talks, uh, preparing talks, buying resources, organising trips, tearing my hair out, and much more. But ultimately, I'm almost prepared, as is my team. And when the first young people arrive on Wednesday afternoon around 3 o'clock, we'll be ready to give them a warm welcome. We've had this date marked in our diaries. We've prepared accordingly. Sometimes it's been frantic, but we know when we need to be ready. 
It's not so easy, is it, to be prepared for something that we know is going to happen at some point, but we don't know when and quite how and where. Jesus doesn't give us the luxury of the day and time when he will appear to meet his bride. Verse 13, he says to the unprepared, stay awake, you don't know the day or the hour. So how might we get ready for Jesus' return? Well, maybe there's a clue in that verse. The Greek for stay awake is Gregorio. The essence of that word is about being watchful, being attentive, staying focused. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's not something we just do as a, as a one-off on a particular day. That's something we're called to do day by day by day. Let us keep on fixing our eyes upon Jesus, staying attentive, being watchful, staying focused. And whilst we wait for Jesus to return one day, we can fix our eyes on the Jesus of Scripture, his life, his death, his teaching, his power, his authority. We can be attentive to him and his message and get to know him. Wisdom is being in right relationship with Jesus, submitting to his lordship. Foolishness is ignoring his call, standing apart from him. There's some other clues as to what being prepared might look like in the surrounding chapters of Matthew's Gospel. So later in chapter 25, we get the parable of the sheep and the goats. Preparing for Jesus' return involves loving his world, showing compassion, feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger. What some might call the the social gospel. Expressing God's love through acts of generosity and kindness. And the bridegroom loves it when he sees his bride, the church, looking outward being his representatives on earth. And then at the end of the gospel is a reminder that preparedness involves reaching out with the good news. As Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so we're called to be prepared by expressing God's love, by sharing his good news with others, telling his story. Here at Christchurch, we're, we're waiting. We're waiting for a new vicar at some point in the future. If all goes to plan, that may well be round about next Easter or soon after. But our waiting is not a passive waiting. We're not just sitting back and doing nothing or looking just to keep on going, keeping the show on the road. We're being proactive. Now, part of that is preparing for a new vicar in terms of the parish profile exercise, and I'd encourage you again to make sure you engage with that consultation. But part of it is also about the ways in which we continue to serve Christ in the community and the world, the ways in which we as individuals continue to serve Christ on our front lines. Within the life of the church, we continue to serve him 
in prayer. We've got another one church one day coming up fairly soon, praying for the needs of the world. We're expressing God's heart and being proactive through our ministry of CAT as we prepare for another Alpha course in the autumn. Do be thinking about who you might invite to that. Through our youth and children's ministry, through Mother's Union, as we encourage one another in our life groups, in so many different ways. And we all know that we're not, we're not saved by what we do, but our activity is an expression of our readiness, of our vigilance, of our attentiveness, and our focus on Jesus. As we wait for the return one day of the bridegroom. Will we be ready? Will we be ready as a church? Will we be ready as individuals for that great day? Wisdom or foolishness, you decide. Father God, thank you for the promise of Jesus' return one day in glory. Lord, we acknowledge we don't know exactly what that will look like. We certainly don't know the day or the hour. But we pray, Lord God, that both as individuals and as a worshipping community, we might be ready. So continue to work in us, Lord. Inspire us and guide us that we might fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And in his name we pray. Amen.